Hi everyone, I'm Wendy Muse, creator of the Left Pocket Project, which brings you the history of leftists of color, one swipe at a time. And this is the Left Pocket Project podcast. Today's episode is not going to be what I planned. Surprise, surprise. Um, I'd initially wanted to do part two of Teresa Santos' uh, Left POC of the Week recording, um, but today took some weird turns, so I'm actually going to talk about that day as a Comrade Mommy episode, Um, but it's definitely related to folks, even if they aren't parents, um, because it relates to COVID, so here we go. Um, I was on my way to school because I teach um, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Um, at least I, I TA, like I physically teach on Wednesdays, and then I go to lecture on Tuesdays and Thursdays for the course, and um, in New York. So I commute from uh, Baltimore to New York and back on those days. Um, and I found out that two children in my daughter's school tested positive for COVID, and that um, my husband had to go pick her up and bring her home, and like COVID test her here and all this stuff. So. <laughs> It was kind of a weird start to my day, like officially, um, with that news. And um, it kind of just like weighed heavily on me for the rest of the day. Um, Because, you know, I had just said something about Thanksgiving break being this kind of turning point for a lot of people when it came to COVID um, for this year in particular, because now we have this additional variant of concern. Omicron or Omicron, however you say it. And uh, so I was saying, you know, a while back, I was like, this is even before the, before the variant came out or was identified, I should say. But I said something like, you know, it's really frustrating to be so reliant and dependent upon other people's actions, right? Um, when it comes to COVID, it's like a, it's like a really weird group project, but where like if someone doesn't do their part, then they might kill the other members of the group project. <laughs> it's like you can't make up for that person if they don't do what they're supposed to do. Um, and it's just incredibly frustrating because, you know, I think if we lived in a more communally based society, people would understand it's like, you know, kind of recognize the need to work together on these things and to not be so hyper individualistic and focused on the self and like who cares if others get sick or who cares if others die or who cares if other people's children are unvaccinated or whatever. Um, and, and I don't know. I mean, I know communal societies are going through it too, but not to the degree that we see in the U S. Um, because it seems like the, one of the kids parents, I guess, like tested the child's, um, over the weekend got the results and then didn't tell the school or something uh, until today. So it was just really, there was a lot going on. I'm in my head. I'm like, on the one hand, if there are parents who are sending their kids to the same school as mine and they're not disclosing COVID testing information, that's really scary. And then on the other hand, it's like if the school knew and didn't say anything, that's also really scary. I think it's the former and not the latter just because 
you know, schools understand liability and the person who like is the administrator there really seems, you know, to be very responsible when it comes to COVID and stuff. I mean, just in general, but especially when it comes to this and health issues. So I would be very surprised if the school kept it from us. And I have a feeling it's the parent. Um, people just, I think some people are in denial about it. I think they're in denial about the severity of, of COVID still. Um, or they just forgot because I know how that can get too. like parents are so overwhelmed, um, by all the things that we have to do that it can be easy to forget some things. I can't see myself forgetting to disclose something like that, but you know, I've mentioned before that I have bills that will be for like $8 and I will forget to pay them for months and months and months and months. Um, just because I have so much other stuff going on and then I'll get like a collection notice for eight dollars <laughs> you know, like, and like really scary phone calls and stuff from like collectors like my bill collectors or whatever they're like you owe eight dollars and I'm like are you serious right now like I'm tired and I forgot you know and it's eight dollars like you're what I owe this hospital is like less than you get paid an hour to call and harass me so like it's is it worth it <laughs> <You> know, like, <sighs> It's just so frustrating. So anyway, um, now I'm, I guess the reason I decided to turn this into an episode is just because the steps in the process now are so vague, right? Um, I'm vaccinated. I have a booster shot as well. Um, you know, I lived 2020, like a total hermit. I really didn't go anywhere. There were no vaccines at the time, of course. And, you know, we were told to not wear masks for a really long time. I remember when I ordered my first set of masks online, they were so expensive and they weren't anything fancy. They were just like kind of like a cotton spandex <laughs> material, just something to be a close fit on my face. And, uh, you know, we didn't know they were washable and they were washable. We didn't know what was going to happen. Um, I just had the baby. There was just a lot going on. And, uh, it was a very stressful time. Like 2020 is just a year that while beautiful because my daughter entered my life, it was just something I kind of, I mean, to this day, I still am like, I would say I'm traumatized by, you know, I'm fortunate that I didn't lose any family um, to COVID, at least not yet, you know, no close family or anything like that. But that year was difficult because, you know, when you have a child, generally you want to have your family there and things like that. And that just wasn't an opportunity for us. Um, that wasn't an option, I should say, for us on either side. My husband's family lives in Turkey and my family lives in Tennessee. So traveling was just seen as really unsafe and we didn't want to risk it. And of course, we didn't want to risk uh, my daughter getting sick either and me getting sick or just anybody. Um, and I basically just put my entire career prospects on hold that year and just took care of my child because I refused to send her to a daycare or have family come and help or anything. I just didn't want to make, take any risks. And I just put my life on hold for, I would say a good year and a half. And then when I started sending her to school at 16, 17 months, it was really, um, you know, it was a moment for me where I felt like I was doing the right thing because not not thinking about myself even, but thinking about my daughter and the need for her to have socialization um, and to learn outside the home. And it 
was a really good choice, I think, because she has been thriving at school. She loves school. She does so well there. And like, she has all these little friends and, you know, she's learning all these skills and things and just stuff that we're always impressed by. And so it's, to me, it was the right choice to make. Um, but at the same time, you know, when I, when these sorts of things happen and given it's the first time this has happened to us. So it's, it was a lot, like it may happen again and I, I just have to get used to this, I guess, but it just makes everything feel like a ticking time bomb and like none of, I guess the other frustrating part is just like none of the hard work feels like it paid off. You know what I mean? Like the, <laughs> the risk aversion that I engaged in for the past like year and a half does year two and a half or sorry year and a half to two years just it almost feels like it's in vain when you think about the fact that like some other people could just you know have oh their kid got COVID and they don't see it as a big deal at least not enough to tell the school or like do what they needed to do um and apparently the other crazy part about this is like apparently this the kid had it for a week or something um and was still going to school with covid and like I, <laughs> I don't know i mean it's and they didn't do the test until until saturday like it just on the one hand like i feel like i'm going to start crying cuz it just it hurts like because you you have to rely on basically the whims of others and for something this intense and like scary it it's, it makes it all the more frustrating because like I recognize that part of my job as a parent is to protect my child. Um, but in a, in a moment like this, when we're living in a pandemic, it's also my job to protect other people's children at the end of the day, the children that my child is interacting with um, at school and, you know, in their little community. And I just see it as as a kind of social, an unspoken social contract that all of us have that we will behave in a certain way and not risk, um, other children's lives and health, um, for, you know, for whatever reasons there may be. I don't know the reasons. I don't know how the child contracted it. I don't, you know, I have no idea, but it seems like it was something even before Thanksgiving, which is ironic because as I said, I thought, I had mentioned, you know, like Thanksgiving is going to be the, the apex of this nonsense. Like, you're, I'm going to be more worried because kids are going to be coming to school with COVID that they got during Thanksgiving break when they met up with their families uh, from out of town or whatever. And, you know, I don't know. But it's just, it makes me, it makes me frustrated that we're still here and we don't have to be, you know, like we didn't have to be. Um, and... I remember very clearly, you know, when things first started up and Trump said, uh, it'll be over by Easter, you know? And I remember, like, also very clearly, the first time I really felt scared about COVID, you know, I was in NICU and my husband and I were, and that's like the, the neonatal intensive care unit for those who may not know. So, like, if you have a baby who has some sort of health issues or whatever upon being born, he or she will go to the NICU for however long they need to treat um, the baby. So my child was delivered via C-section and she had some breathing issues. So she was in the NICU for three weeks. And um, I remember towards the end of her stay in the NICU, things got really scary because they started like 
tightening up all the protocols and stuff because COVID was clearly here in the States um, at that time. This is early March. And uh, <laughs> I remember like my husband and I were sitting in the break room uh, eating dinner and Trump came on the screen and just looked like he had seen a ghost. And he was like, he was talking about shutting down travel um, from Europe and I just thought to myself, like, oh, that seems really intense, like stark, you know, like that seems like something he wouldn't be likely to do. And from Europe, I mean, I could see, okay, maybe I could see him shutting down travel from China or something, um, not only because of Wuhan being the the place supposedly where this originated, but then also the simple fact that, like, Trump is a xenophobe. And so I was like, of course he's going to shut down travel from China, but he's never going to shut down travel from Europe. And the fact that he was shutting down travel from Europe was like, oh shit. Like thing. And because of the way he looked and spoke about what was happening at that time, it was just scary. Um, and I remember, you know, in the time, the, the lead up to that, there had been those, those boats, the, um, the, the cruise ships that they had docked on the West coast. Um, and they were like moving people to military barracks or whatever. There was just all sorts of crazy stuff going on at the beginning that I was watching, you know, in every night we'd go to the break room to eat dinner and like watch these harrowing, um, stories on TV about COVID. And, uh, I will just never forget them. And I feel like I'm reliving that nightmare all over again. And it's a year later, it's a year and a half later, actually. Um, and that's just really, frustrating like it's it's frustrating that we're still here it's frustrating that we have so much death around us at all times like we don't even really think about it it's like the news doesn't really talk about it anymore but thousands of people are dying a day um not just in the U.S. but like total around the world but the U.S. has a really high death rate still from COVID despite our vaccination campaigns um and I just think people keep letting their guards down. And, you know, if we had kept our guards up those first few months, maybe things would have been better. I mean, we have a very big country, obviously, with a lot of uh, a lot of different ideas about how to run things and how to do stuff. But I think if we had some semblance of community, we could have accomplished and not COVID zero, of course, but at least a low death rate and a low infection rate. If people had not been so selfish that they couldn't wear a mask for a couple hours to go to the grocery store or take the train or the bus or whatever, like, it's just so, so frustrating. And thus far, you know, I'm thankful that we have the resources that we have, that we have vaccines, that we have at-home testing, you know, both of those things are potentially you know, not potentially, they are life-saving tools. Um, so it's important that I recognize that. Um, but at the same time, it's not enough, you know, like testing is still expensive to get a at-home test. It's an at-home test is $14. Um, and you still have to pay for multiple, um, boxes of those. If you have a situation where you're going to be testing over the course of several days, and then you also have to worry about like in some cities, including my own, you know, the vaccination sites are few and far between are now not, the, I'm sorry, not vaccination sites, but the testing sites, my bad. Um, testing sites are few and far between nowadays in comparison to what they were in the early days. Um, and of course, depending on your city, but like, I know for me, 
if we didn't have a car, it would be very difficult for me to get to certain testing sites. Um, you know, you have to wait in line. Some of them you have to schedule an appointment. It's just it's so much additional work and like hoops you have to jump through that shouldn't be there. You know, if you look at Europe, you can get a COVID test for one euro. You know, you can easily just go anywhere and get the vaccine. You have a lot more accessibility for healthcare in general. Um, low cost of healthcare, of course, is kind of a given. And there are lots of advantages um, that I see that other countries have with regard to the healthcare sector that could have saved us and made things better here. And we took, we made a lot of bad decisions and it was like really bad decisions built upon a crumbling set of <laughs> like decades, if not centuries of bad decisions in our, in our country's history. So that's just sort of frustrating. Um, and, you know, I, I think the other part now is confusion over what to do for me. So I technically need to be in New York tomorrow to go to lecture. Um, but, and you know, everyone at NYU is vaccinated and we all wear masks and everybody's like doing what they're supposed to do. But at the same time, we have a protocol and I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do other than test myself um, or get tested there. And unfortunately, because of my train schedule, I don't have time to get tested on campus. And because I have to take the train to commute in, I need to test myself here at home before I get on the train. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it's just like a lot of a lot of like bureaucratic stuff I've got to take care of. But then again, this is like me. This is my own set of protocols that I'm following, to be honest, with the exception of this, the school one, right? Like there's not an easy to find list or something that you can just see on TV or like on a flyer or whatever that tells you what to do if you've been exposed to COVID. I found some information from the CDC, but it seems very old. Um, there are mixed messages that I'm receiving from others. Some sites say, even if you're vaccinated, quarantine. Some sites say you don't have to. Some sites say test, and if you get negative, then you're fine. Test in another 40. I mean, it's just like a lot of different options out there. And I'm not talking about like somebody's random Facebook page. I'm talking about the CDC and like government websites, state websites, school websites. Like they all say different things. Um, so I'm not sure really how to proceed. Most likely what I will do is test and then... Um, you know, like wake up in the morning, test, uh, get on the train. Of course, I wear an N95 on the train, so I'm protecting myself and others with that. Um, wear an N95 to class. Um, of course, if it tests positive, I will stay at home. But most likely and hopefully because my daughter tested negative, I hope that my husband and I will also test negative and uh, just go from there. And then if I develop symptoms over the, the course of the next few days, the next time I have to be in New York is Tuesday. And so I just will not go in on Tuesday and continue to test um, to kind of like know my status or whatever. But it's just a lot of, <laughs> it's a lot out there um, in terms of information. And it seems like everyone has a different set of rules. Everyone has a different set of protocols. And then on a personal level, everyone's kind of just doing their own thing and doing what they think is best. And that varies wildly from like being like how I am and how my family is to how other people are, which is like, whatever, it doesn't matter if my kid has COVID, I'm not going to tell the school like that. That's like the range we're working with here, you know, <sighs> at least they got tested. I mean, that's the positive part, but uh, you know, I just, yeah. And then 
I think that um, because of that irregularity or, you know, lack of uniformity um, in responses to COVID, that sends people into a sense of confusion and some are not level-headed about that. And depending on how you approach it, you know, you may make rash decisions that aren't the best at a time when you're stressed out or concerned or don't know what to do or confused. Um, and, you know, again, we're just, we're all relying on each other in this moment and it's very frustrating. I think too, what's frustrating is the kind of constant refrain from certain media, media sources about how this isn't a big deal, about how they're sick and tired of having to do this, about how, and this is, the sad part is that this has been going on from like the beginning of the pandemic. It's not something that's recent, um, but I just feel like the chorus is growing louder. So this idea of like, why should, why should healthy young-ish people have to do anything amid all these old people dying or like people with comorbidities dying or like kids who aren't vaccinated? Like, I don't, I don't care what's going on with these other people. I'm going to just be fine. So it doesn't matter. And it's like, that's not how a disease works when it's a pandemic. Like it's not a, it's not something that you can just say is isolated to you and your, your own body. It's something that affects other people too, rather drastically. Um, and you know, you don't know what everyone's vaccination status is. You don't know what other people's comorbidities are right away. You don't have that information. And so exposing them could literally be a death sentence. And I just don't understand how people can go through the world and think that that lightly about something this serious, you know, and in such a cavalier, um, disgustingly self-centered way. It's very, it's very frustrating. And I think there's even been you know, segments of the left that say these things and certainly liberals who say these things that just casually disregard human life um, because of, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I literally, like, I guess their, their own personal comfort or um, their desire to like go to the gym or go to a restaurant or something. I mean, I honestly don't know what causes this sense of, or this like lack of care for others to such a degree other than the obvious answers about like, you know, hypercapitalist hellscape and patriarchy and whatever. But I think just in general, like on a person to person level, I don't know what causes it. It's like, who hurt you? You know, like, why do you not care about anyone? Why do you care so little for your fellow human being? Um, and I think just seeing, I mean, article after article, news story after news story, about people not wanting to follow protocols because they don't care, because it won't affect them, because it doesn't matter. And even the cases where it does matter and it will affect them and they still don't care. So like the other day, there was a really awful article in the Atlantic about pandemic parenting. And I thought that it was going to be this like sympathetic piece and just talking about the stresses of trying to parent and dealing with the workplace and inflexibility in some areas when it comes to labor and parenting amid a pandemic and all this stuff, you know, I was expecting it to be this really thoughtful piece about the realities and difficulties and, and even moments of joy that people have found as parents in the pandemic and particularly of very young children. And instead what it was, was people complaining about school shutdowns uh, because some kid got sick at their child's school and they didn't feel like taking them out of school for the however many days they had to quarantine. And mind you, all of these people worked for the Atlantic and worked at from home. <laughs> so not to say that work from home is easy. 
you know, I do it, my husband does it frequently, but, uh, the issue is that like, still, I mean, this is like other kids' lives you're talking about, your own kid's life you're talking about, you know, your own health and their health that you're talking about. How can you just kind of complain the whole time about the fact that your school is doing what they're supposed to do to protect the children? Um, and they were saying things like, well, we don't shut down when we have the flu and it affects kids just like the flu and whatever. And I'm like, yeah, but the difference is the flu is a very old virus that we have information on and the coronavirus is novel but this the you know COVID-19 is novel all of these new strains that do actually very directly affect younger people especially younger people who are not vaccinated you know do you want to take that risk do you want to like f around and find out as we say right and I don't think for me at least the answer is no I'd rather not roll the dice on my child's safety and well-being and health um, you know, I make every decision right now on the basis of her well-being and health and happiness. And so I would never want to do something that would like endanger my child. And then of course, scoff at those who are trying to protect their children or the children of others at the school. I mean, I just, I don't know. I don't understand some people. And I think maybe it's that they hate their children or they hate being parents or something. I just, I don't fully understand it, but it's very much a, an idea of like, they don't, they care so little about their own children and their, and other people's children that they could sit there and write a whole article about, you know, how much they hate, uh, having to do these things to protect. Basically they don't want to do anything to protect people's kids. And, you know, if that's the case, you probably, may want to rethink being a parent because again, being a parent is about protect the big part of it is about protecting your child. And also just the basic courtesy that you extend to other families who are going through similar things. But anyway, um, that was just a, a short kind of bit of frustration there, uh, with what I see as a continuation of kind of Trumpian policies, Trumpian mindset, um, into the year two, into year two of the pandemic going on year three um, because ultimately we are a nation of hyper individual, hyper capitalists, you know, self-centered, self-important people. And the people who actually care about other people, not to sound like, not to get all Hobbesian or something, but it just, it feels like, like that, that group is getting smaller and smaller and it's increasingly getting smaller as we, continue into the pandemic and people are becoming more and more frustrated um, and people who may have been really COVID safe for the first year or two are just done. You know, they're exhausted and I'm, I'm exhausted too. I'm super exhausted, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to engage in behavior that could harm my child or other people's children or like laugh at those who, who try to protect their kids and do the best that they can to keep everyone safe. Um, I admire that. And it's something that I think is important for us to do just as a society. Um, but I do understand at the same time, the frustration and the exhaustion of always doing the right thing and always playing it safe. You know, you just, at some point you just want to just break everything. <laughs> like, like you're tired. You're, you want to go back to your, whatever your normal life was before the pandemic hit and things like that. And, if you're not doing those things yet, it can be exhausting. It can be more demoralizing. And I get that. Um, but I feel like if we just, uh, 
had a sense of like, if we can just hold on a little bit longer, if we had just done that from the beginning, just hold tight, let things, you know, do what we need to do to protect ourselves and let everything kind of work itself out. And then we would have been done with this a while ago. Um, and the people who are kind of, you know, breaking the process only add to prolonging it. And that's what I think people don't really understand. Um, you know, and, and I don't know, I, I really don't have an answer, but it's just me venting right now. But I really, I would, I would love for this to be over. Like you have no idea. I miss so many things. Um, and I'm exhausted and I'm tired and I'm sad a lot. And, you know, I just, I want things to go back to some semblance of quote unquote normal that I knew before the pandemic. And instead what I see is like a very long future ahead of more nonsense because people will not do what they need to do. And on it, that's on an individual level, but on like a larger level at term in terms of government, in terms of um, the terrible vaccine companies that are not releasing patents for the sake of saving people around the world. Um, you know, I look at these, anti-vaxxers and people who are forwarding scientific misinformation and all of these things. And I just, I just am so tired, you know, like, trust me, I am so tired of this. You have literally no idea. I want it to be over so badly, but I recognize that for that to happen, I have to continue doing the things that I need to do to protect myself and to protect others. And that requires a sacrifice. And some people are not willing to make that sacrifice and they're not understanding that it's putting the rest of us in a situation that just is like a never ending hell. <laughs> and I really, I would like to, to get out of that sort of hell or purgatory of, of this, this time. Anyway, that was really light and happy. Sorry about that guys. <laughs> that was really depressing. Um, but it's just how I'm feeling right now. You know, I'm just being completely honest with y'all. I'm, I'm very tired and I would like to have my life back, um, and be able to do things with my child that don't involve a mask and don't involve being scared that she's going to get sick or that I'm going to get sick or, you know, we would love to see family and things like that. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's not happening anytime soon. So please continue staying safe, doing what you need to do to protect yourself and others in this. And just remember that every decision that you make when it comes to COVID literally affects other people, whether you realize it or not. Um, you know, like I said, we have no idea how this kid or two kids got COVID. Um, and you know, may have, it may have been parental negligence, may have been something else. We have no idea. But again, it's a domino. There's a domino effect, right? And so just don't be the domino that falls down because you're going to mess it up for everybody else. <laughs> anyway, on that note, stay safe, protect yourself and others, be kind, and uh, I will see you all back tomorrow, hopefully with part two of the Teresa Santos uh, discussion and then more things to come over the weekend and the next week, of course. Um, of this podness journey, if you will. 